0: i you a few minutes about the wonderful wounds of Christ. What a message, what a paradox to call wounds wonderful, to call the cross beautiful. Because it's an instrument of death. I typed in years ago when computers were first coming on and I know how to word things to get exactly where I want to go now. But then I just, I just put in the cross. Crucifixion rather, crucifixion. And it took me not to the cross of Christ initially. It took me to instruments of torture. Instruments of torture. Instruments of torture. It wasn't a swift, neat, clean, quick death that Jesus died. It was an agonizing death where he was tortured to death. It took six hours after being beaten like no one has ever been beaten and survived it. Actually, what caused him to survive the beating was something that God did for him in Gethsemane. Not to take away any of the pain. Remember when he was on the cross and he said, I thirst and they offered him the sponge. Soaked with vinegar and gall and they wanted him to kind of, he could suck on that sponge if he had wanted to. And though he cried out because Psalm 22 is is many of the words that he uttered from the cross. And one of those sayings from Psalm 22 is, my, my tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. He was dehydrated. He had been beaten like no one Well, the Bible said his visage was marred more than any man's. And it wasn't just the physical part of him. But he, without ever sinning, was treated as a sinner on the cross. In fact, he was treated as all sinners on the cross. And if he had taken anything to take away any of the pain or the pressure he wouldn't have been able to pay the sin debt because it required a suffering sacrifice in order for the sin debt to be paid. Jesus could have never said, Teteleste, it is finished, paid in full on the cross unless he suffered every moment to the fullest degree and stayed on the cross. Remember what they told him? A thief on the left and a thief on the right and the thief on the right in his own suffering and pain. Some people put it this way. One man was concerned about his skin and the other was concerned about his sin. The one on the right said, if you're the son of God, do what? You've got all power. If you've got all the power that goes with that title, then come down off of the cross. Save yourself and save us. It, and, and listen, I want you to know that every fiber of Jesus' being wanted to come down from that cross. How do you know? Because He knew what was coming. And it wasn't just the pain and agony of being tortured to death. But it was the separation from the Father. And He knew it was coming. And He knew it in Gethsemane. And He said in the garden... Where the olive press was. Where the pressure was on. Where his sweat became as great drops of blood. as capillaries under the skin. Mixed with his sweat glands. And a reddish brown liquid came forth in large droplets. And it said his sweat became as droplets of blood. And his head and his arms were covered with that kind of sweat. And he said, Father, Abba, Father... If there's any other way, there's any other way that man can be redeemed, that his sins can be forgiven, and that he can be saved. If there's any other way. Let this cup pass from me. If there's another way to salvation, I don't want to go through what I'm going to go through. You see, it wasn't an easy trip. He didn't, he didn't go to the cross as God unfeeling anything. He went as a man separated from God. One of his cries from the cross was, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which was, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Not one Christian will ever die God forsaken. When it comes time for us to die, we're promised the presence of God. We won't have to cross Jordan alone. Hallelujah. Amen. For he said, I'll, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will go with you all the way, even to the end of the age. And, and I've been down and, you know, through a stroke, I've been to the, remember the song, Knock, Knock, Knocking on Heaven's Door? You probably don't, you're not that old. Well, it's okay, I remember it. Well, I was knocking on heaven's door, and heaven's door is not a bad place to be. Can you say, man, I could have went into the presence of God because the peace of God enveloped me, and I know what to expect when the day comes when it's time for me to go home if Jesus tarries. And I can tell you from someone that's been at heaven's door, amen. The peace of God and the grace of God is going to wrap you up in like a like something. You, it's 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 the old timer said it's better felt than telt. I can testify to it, but you until you experience, you say I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. Well, you no, know, you can't because it's a peace that passes understanding. Can you say, man? Hallelujah! But I can tell you, it will occur. It will happen. I told my wife in the emergency room. I said, honey, if I'm going to be a burden, if I'm going to be paralyzed. and and useless and and just be a burden to my family i'm I, i just i just soon go right on home well god didn't want me right on home he wanted me right here right now amen ministering to my family and my church family praise god and those people that he might want me to minister to but i want to tell you amen the grim reaper don't show up when a christian is ready to go Amen. <laughs> oh, if you're looking for that guy that's in the black cloak with that sickle, harvesting souls indiscriminately, that's not who's coming for you. And that's not who's coming for me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One step away from the shores of heaven praise God all of my loved ones that have preceded me there and my friends and church members that that we've been in listen there's a whole bunch of people after this many years of ministering 42 years of preaching the gospel right here in Tampa there's a whole lot of people got promoted to heaven down through those years praise God amen I can't wait to see that congregation again glory be to God (laughs) hallelujah i got a daughter in heaven i'm looking forward to have her show me all of the places that she has seen and enjoyed for all of these years praise god amen my mima is there <laughs> She wasn't a grandmother. Great. She was a great grandmother. She was my memo. Oh, man. She was my friend, my, my advocate, my, my, don't, don't whip him, Bob. Don't whip him, Bob. <laughs> Amen. I love my memo. Praise God. He won't do it no more. Amen. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Praise God! I can't wait to see my Mima. Praise the Lord! I can't wait to see my sixth grade teacher who came to hear me preach in Tampa uh, uh, from from up on some Baptist church on State Road ninety two. My sixth grade teacher, boy, she was something else. She taught us about God. She taught us. She man, she was a Christian uh, school teacher. She told the girls, said, You girls, said, You, 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 this sixth grade, you know, she's telling them, Says, Says, you, you, says, Says, you, you got to, you got to be young women. You got to have respect for yourself if you want others to respect you. Says, You don't walk around here in short dresses like a spider on a hot griddle. I don't know how a spider walks on a hot griddle, but. <laughs> I've never seen that I've never even seen a girl do it Amen (laughs) But she got the point across And she said You young men You treat young ladies She just preached to us And taught us more Than the Than the You know ABC's And and mathematics. And the Gideons came in and taught us the 23rd Psalm and gave us a little Gideon New Testament for reciting it, amen, through. And, and all of us had practice, and she helped us study so that we'd all get that New Testament. We were so proud when we said the 23rd Psalm the, from the beginning to the end and God handed our New Testament and she had extra ones in her desk and if someone didn't say it all the way through she pulled it out and said, here (laughs) give it said you learn it you learn it but i'm going to give you this anyway and you can turn to it and study it praise god hallelujah what a what a wonderful time to grow up when you could you could and and what a difference in our nation what a difference it was in our nation what a difference it made in this nation i used to hitchhike when i was a teenager me and a friend of mine by the way i i was at my 50th class reunion and I, was, I had been looking on the Internet, and I was hoping to find a very good friend of mine, Chester Faulkner. And I, I, I never could locate him. <laughs> and I was, I was asked impromptu. I didn't really know why I was going because there's nobody there with a bunch of old folks. Amen. And Pamela didn't want to go. My 50th class reunion just a few months ago, June actually, and, she, and they, they said, the guy that coordinated it all, he came up to me, Paul Savage, and he said, he said, Robert, he said, you're still preaching, right? I said, absolutely. He said, well, would you read, would you pray over the food and everything we're going to do here tonight? I said, yes, I'd be happy to. I said, would you also read the obituary, how many people that are not with us anymore? And I didn't even have a chance to look at it. He just handed me a piece of paper, and I walked up on the platform and addressed our 50th class of 1965. Still alive, ain't no jive. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Really, ain't no really ain't no jive no more. And I, I started reading the list, and I came down to Chester Faulkner. And I thought, that's why I couldn't find him. He's gone. He's been gone for several years, as I read the date of his birth and the date of his passing. But I remember something about Chester that occurred. It was a Sunday morning, and we were, we were in the uh, embassy suites holding our services because we just sold our church in Sulphur Springs. I got up getting ready for church, and the phone rang, and I picked it up. And I heard a man on the other end say, is that you, Bob? I said, yes, it is. I said, who is this? He said, this is Chester Faulkner. He said, and at the time, we had made, they allowed you to make, your church could make a broadcast on Channel 13. And they would put different churches on every Sunday morning. We went down, made a broadcast. It didn't turn out all that great. Everything went kind of nuts, but it turned out enough that it got a hold of him. He was in the hospital scheduled for surgery and he said I saw you on television this morning on the WTBT church service and you got to understand the way he talked he said and I thought this might be an omen this might be a sign this might be the biggie in other words he thought maybe the lord's trying to tell me that I could die in surgery and if it is I'm not ready And he said, Bob, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And we prayed the sinner's prayer. Hallelujah. On a Sunday morning, while he was in the hospital, getting ready to go in for surgery. He did survive the surgery, and for years he lived on. But I was so glad when I read his name, that God had allowed me to pray the sinner's prayer with him. Amen. And that God had allowed him to contact me because of that little television broadcast that we all got crazy over for a little while. They went crazy. My piano player, young man at that time, he, he I got out of the car to go in the television station. God will use foolish things to confound the wisdom of the wise. Can you say amen? And we got really foolish during that time. guy that played the piano for us, he got out of his car, and we were walking in together, and I had my little sack like I always do, you know, and my my coat and tie, and and he had on a white shirt and tie. Everything looked good. He had his shoes shine because we're going to be on TV. Amen. Most people are thinking about we're going to be on TV instead of we're going to reach people for Christ, you know, because when television camera comes on, a lot of things change. I mean, I see people's hair that I know it's not their hair. Can't be their hair. No hair looks like that, but they're on television. Everything changes. Can you say man? My dad told me one day that my hair looked like like a particular television evangelist that wore a toupee, and it was my real hair. And I don't want my real hair to look like a toupee. Can you say, man? So I went out immediately and got a haircut. Anyway, God is good. But I got out of my car. We're walking up to the television station, and he looked really dressed for television. Except for one thing. He had on candy apple red lipstick. Now, a man with candy apple red lipstick looks strange. Don't ever do it. You'll look strange. <laughs> and, and I asked him, I said, what's up with the lipstick? He said, because television cameras wash you out. And you have to enhance the, your lips or the, they'll look like they're gone. And he said, Here. And he pulled out a tube of red lipstick, wanting me to put it on. I said, Oh no, that's okay. It's okay. I, I want them to hear me. They don't have to see my lips to hear what I'm saying. Amen. Keep and and the people at the TV station, they thought, Here they come. Church people. Can you say, man? Gonna get the camera on them. <laughs> we got in there and there's one guy had a you know, he had his eyes were real sensitive. And he was gonna sing with the rest of us. And he looked up. And there's these bright television lights shining on us. He walked right in. The producer's getting ready to count us down. He said, that light's got to go. You can't turn the lights off in a television studio. I thought, man, you're the one that needs to go. And in spite of all of that, because of the grace and goodness of God, we were on television that morning. And a guy I hadn't seen for decades is going in for surgery. And he sees a man that he knows, (laughs) a man that rode the motorcycle, had the black simulated leather jacket because I couldn't, come on, I couldn't afford the real leather. But he, he, he was convicted in his heart, and I was able to pray the sinner's prayer. And I pray with everything that's in me that he was sincere when he prayed it. Because if he was, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have another class reunion. Can you say man, with people that have come to Christ? Glory be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and, and I told that class reunion, I said, you know, you know God has a sense of humor. Because he didn't pick one of the great guys and the good guys from our class to call to the ministry, amen. He picked one of the one of the guys least likely, amen. And that was me. And a, a lady, white-haired lady, by the way, came up to me after the after the uh, after praying and said, "You were the bad boy at Brandon High School, amen." Look what the Lord has done, and I said, "Yes, look what grace has done." I'm a trophy of His. Grace. Grace, can you say amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Look what the Lord has done. The wonderful wounds of Christ. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised. It's Isaiah 53. He was bruised for our iniquity. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed when we saw Him. Saw Him. Saw Him. Not not in the beauty of, Of his sinless perfection. But as he became our substitute sacrifice. When we saw him. There was nothing. That we should desire him. In other words. After the beating and the crucifixion. To look at him was repulsive. We considered him to be. Stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgression surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows and it's all about him suffering in our place verse 5 said but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. One Bible scholar, Keel, very respected, said, There were no stronger expressions to be found in the language to denote a violent and painful death. No stronger expressions to be found in the language to denote a violent and painful death. What a portrait of the true meaning of grace. Listen to this out of Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I like the amplified. It said, while we were yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time Christ died for and in behalf of the ungodly. Now, it's an extraordinary thing for one to give his life, even for an upright man. Though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, some might even dare to die. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were yet... Still sinners. Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. To those of you today that are trying to earn what God gave you before you ever came to Christ, amen. Unconditional love. Now, He can't express it to you till you get saved, because that sin barrier has to be bridged by Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. But the love in his heart for you will never be greater than it was when Jesus was hanging on the cross. He commended that love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. Can you say man? Hallelujah. We, We were hesitant in my area of Christian upbringing in the Pentecostal holiness. And God, oh my, how we need holiness back in the church of Christ and in the personal life today. But not the holiness that is just the cleaning up of the outside, but the cleansing of the inside. And what cleans up on the inside will start working its way into the outside. That's what it means to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling let what has happened on the inside begin to impact your life on the outside but it doesn't start from the outside in it goes from the inside out can you say man I just want to tell this young man something here today God loves you praise God he's got a plan for your life and he died for you not just for a whole mess of people faceless and nameless but for individuals like you and like me today praise God and God loves you, and He's still working on you. I can hear uh, saw sawing, I can hear drills drilling, I can hear hammers. No, no, not beating you on the head, don't get me wrong. But God is at work. God, what? Because you're still here, you got your Bible open. Praise God. If the devil had his way, you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't pack around one of those Bibles. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when people start loving Him back for loving them. Amen. We don't start with trying to just get people to serve Him. We start by trying to provoke people to love Him. Amen. For if a man love me, he'll keep my commandments and they won't be grievous unto him. And you know what I'm talking about because you're falling in love with Jesus over and over and over again. And the pressure's coming off of you. Amen. Because you're falling in love with Jesus over and over and over again. And Joe Salvo. Hallelujah. (laughs) How can you not love back someone that loves you no matter what? Pours his life out on the cross for us. Suffers and dies for us. Praise God takes our place. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a portrait of true meaning of grace. The holy Messiah dying for sinful men. Talk about unmerited favor, grace, or God's riches at Christ's expense. Why did He do it? To demonstrate the power of His love for us. When He had no strength, we had no strength, no merit, nothing but offenses to God. He loved us enough to punish His Son in our place. Punish His Son in our place. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. That means to make alive. Hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. I like the Amplified in this too because it says, But God so rich is He in mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love. With which he loved us. Even when we were dead slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses. He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 This gospel is life changing. If it's received. Appropriated and appreciated by the person. That hears the gospel. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Jesus didn't die with any help from the divine part of his nature. He never ceased to be God. But he didn't die with any help from his divine nature. He died as a sinner forsaken when we saw him. We considered him stricken, smitten of God. He must have offended God in a terrible way. To be punished like this. He must have been the chief of all sinners. To be punished this badly. He said my tongue. Cleaves to the roof of my mouth. He said something else. Prophetic of what would happen to him on the cross. He said. My bones stare out of me. You can see. My rib cage. When they beat him. With, they used to call it the cat, because nine pieces of braided leather attached to wood to be held as a handle. The nine pieces of braided leather at the end of the leather was shards of pottery or pieces of sharp metal. And when you go across the back, I think of stripes, just stripes from the leather which is terribly painful, but no. It went across the back and the shards of metal or pottery would wrap around the ribcage. So they would hit Him with it, jerk it back. When they jerk it back, they tore flesh from His ribcage. So when they impaled Him on the cross, you could, you could actually see. Rib-boned. He said, my bones stare out of me. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. Six hours of asphyxiation and pain. The nails didn't go through the palm as you see it portrayed. Because the weight of a man would rip through his hand. What was considered his hands being pierced. The hand represented the wrist and the hand. And at the wrist, there is a crossbone right here where it attaches. And they, they hit it right here so that that crossbone held him. They put nails in his feet and in his hands. When he sunk down, the pressure and pain on his feet were so terrible. And it collapsed his rib cage around his lungs when he hung down like that. And he struggled for breath. And to get a breath, it's kind of like being underwater, about to drown, and you come up to get a breath. He had to keep coming up to get a breath as he was not only in excruciating pain, but asphyxiation. He'd push up. And gasp for breath. That's why when he spoke from the cross. When he spoke. He spoke. Breathing out precious oxygen. The man on the left said. This man has done no wrong. We're getting the just punishment for our sin. But he hath done no wrong. He said Lord remember me. When you come. In your kingdom. And Jesus pushes up. And says today. You will be with me. In paradise. He's still saving. While he's dying. While he's suffering. He cries, Eloi! Eloi! Lama subachthani! My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's no comfort. In Pilate's hall, everybody left him, but his father was with him. And I'm going to tell you, there's a boldness in that peace and that power. And and in Pilate's hall, he said, He said, My father, no one's standing with me, but my father's always with me. But on the cross, when he became treated as sin for us, there was no comfort. He died as a man forsaken of God. So there was no comfort for him. When offered to suck on that sponge something that could have helped a little with the pain and the and the dehydration he refused it why did he refuse it because he had to drink all of that cup until it was empty or the price would not have been paid he drew not from his divinity he didn't cease from being god but he 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 lived in the in the absolute reality of his humanity very God and very man he died as a man forsaken of God on the cross for you and for me you that are trying to earn his love you that are trying to somehow impress him somehow and by the way when we're in his service and we're focusing on him it's time for you to be very quiet when you go into God's house and it's about God be more ready to hear than to speak whatever's bugged or bothered you through the week stifle it that's not the time or the place for it if you have a gift of the spirit and we're focusing on Jesus the Holy Spirit is not going to use you to detract from him stifle it the Spirit is subject to the prophet. If it's not subject to you, then you're out of control. I'm talking about God initially. Amen. I was in a service where a man was preaching Christ, getting down to the altar call, and a guy jumped out in the aisle and started waving his arms and said, Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! It's time for the altar call. It wasn't worship service. And guess what? Everybody's focus in the building went to that man. You say, well, if God was you, No, no, God is not going to do that. God is not the author of confusion. Make no mistake about it, that's religious flesh wanting to be seen and exalted and just couldn't sit there and wait for God to save the lost. When we're talking about Jesus on the cross, it ain't about me anymore. And it show sure ain't about nobody else in this building. It's about Jesus Christ, His sacrifice and what He's done. Can you say, man, hallelujah. And He kept And the evangelist that was preaching at a Church of God camp meeting in Waimama, he said, I want you to hold that. And the guy said with an arrogant attitude, Thou shalt not quench the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit, I'm quenching you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many know in the church of Jesus Christ we need some order and we need Jesus to be exalted and we don't need to see flesh so out in the name of the Holy Spirit. Because when I get in at the foot of the cross, I don't feel like jumping up and down and saying, Hey, look at me. I feel like prostrating myself and saying, Hey, look at Jesus. Can you say, man? <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 In Pentecost, down through the years, people we consider spiritual are full of themselves and full of the flesh and, and, and I do my best not to call them down amen but the time is coming when I'm going to call people down because I do know the Holy Spirit from the spirit of man or a religious spirit or the devil himself can you say amen and I'm not concerned about quenching the Holy Spirit I'm deeply concerned that we don't get a hold of the wrong spirit because when the Holy Ghost comes he will testify of me he will point to me he will glorify me Hallelujah can you say man? Hallelujah He will guide you into all truth And it's Jesus who is the way And Jesus who is the truth And Jesus who is the life Hallelujah That's what's brought the reproach on the true Manifestation and expression Of the Holy Spirit Hallelujah I was glad when your mama brought a message the other week when she was here. Hallelujah. I'm glad for the messages that come in tongues. I'm glad for them coming at the appropriate time. Can you say man? And right now, it would be inappropriate for a message to be given. And you and I have to decide that. And we have to have wisdom. basataya. Most of the people that keep saying, God showed me and God told me, they're not listening. They don't see themselves in their need. They're wanting to be put in a higher place of spiritual respect. And you don't get it by drawing attention to yourself. You get that higher place by keep pointing to Jesus Christ. Not that we're sufficient as of anything of ourself, for our sufficiency is of the Lord. Hallelujah! you know that if that wind of the Spirit didn't come in and open that door for you to testify, you wouldn't have got through the door. You couldn't have done anything, but you know when the Holy Spirit did it, it was God, and God got the glory for it. He needed a faithful servant and had one, but he backed him up, praise God, by his Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Oh, oh, I want to see Jesus lifted high as we get ready for communion in just a few moments. The next verse, verse 6 in Ephesians 53 said, All we like sheep have gone astray. None righteous, no, not one. All of us have gone astray. But God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So prophetically of Christ on the cross, it said they plowed my back. They plowed my back. When you think of stripes, don't just think of welts any longer. Think of His flesh being torn from His body. So when it says with His stripes we're healed, it was a suffering. It wasn't like the whooping you got with that switch one day. And it left some welts on your legs. Back when... I'm not saying you know that some people didn't misuse and abuse that, but I'm saying I, I was not psychologically scarred. Amen. I was taught that sin don't pay. Amen. It's a good lesson to learn when you're growing up. There's a lot of young people who haven't learned that, and people are sitting in jail cells because there was no correction along the way. There's no, no nothing, no inner compass that was sensitized to what's right and what's wrong and what the consequences of sin can do in this life and in eternity. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. My bones stare out of me. They plowed my back and made their furrows long. Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me and then at the end of the six hours with nothing to assuage his pain no comfort from the divine part of him in his humanity he pushes up and all of his dialogue to that point had to be raspy Gr- gaspy whisperings of asphyxiation and pain. But that last word from the cross, he pushed up, and the Bible said, he said with a loud voice Tetelestai! It is accomplished. The sin debt paid in full and if there's ever going to be a revival it won't be because in america or in any church or any person it will not be because someone with the gift of healing comes and some healings occur a few healings occurred when jesus preached at a certain place and the bible said amen there was no mighty work done but a few sick folk got healed Amen. A few sick folk getting healed is a wonderful thing, but the mighty work is not just the healing of the body. Can you say, man? There will be no revival because Christians run to fall out, to experience an overwhelming sense of God's power. I've seen people look at their watch way before now, wanting to get out of church, but when they're in a line somewhere to get a blessing, they'll stay in that line till the wee hours in the morning. I've been with Christians in a line at one o'clock in the morning, and nobody left because they were going to get something special from God. Revival didn't come and will not come just by falling out in the in the in the spirit. It will not come just by speaking in tongues. Your visions and dreams will not bring it. Can you say, man? But when our hearts really fall in love with Jesus, when we want Jesus more than we want anything in this world, when we want to see less of us and more of Him, can you say, man? When we want Him. To To hide us behind the cross. And point to Him for everything. When we want Him more than we want the pleasures of sin. When we want Him more than the pleasures of this world. When we want Him more than the pride of life. When we want Him that bad. This nominal Christianity. This... Lukewarm, this satisfied with me as I am, this never convicted me. You can't sit in church long enough to get good enough that you don't need to repent and that you don't need reviving and that you don't need, amen, to hush up for a while, amen, and sit at His feet and let Him show you your need and stir you up. Can you say Man, Hallelujah. Stir me up. Amen. You know, the Bible said, if we say we have no sin, we lie and not the truth, and we think that's the world out there that's unrepentant. No, that's the church every Sunday morning. The church sits back in her satisfaction and declares we have no sin. How do you know? Because nobody repents. Because they need it. They need it. The world, the sinners need it. I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't need it. It was written to Christians, not the world. If we as Christians get above conviction, we get beyond repentance. We get to where we are satisfied with ourselves and ourself is not like Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, I'm not talking about as good as him or as good as her. I'm talking about like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted when I stand up next to Jesus. I'm intimidated when I stand up next to him. Stand up, stand up. I need you to illustrate something. You know what the you know what the Bible says? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's why I love you so much, my brother. Come here, stand on this side of me. I won't be like him. My man. Fist bump. No, you're not short as could be. You could be shorter, believe me. Amen. See, when I compare myself to Him, I fine. I don't need to grow. Come on. Man, I, come on. Me and Him, we all right. We, come on. I'm right there with Him. Right? I want to be like who then? I want to be like Him. I am like Him. I like being like Him. I don't need to grow at all because I'm right there with Him. When I stand next to Him, You can be seated. Thank you. When I stand next to him. How you doing? You know what he's thinking? How's the weather down there? I see it's raining down there. It's clear up here. You know what the fivefold ministry is for? Till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the fullness of the measure, of the stature. Of Jesus Whew. And if there's no room for repentance in your life You don't know what the fivefold ministry's for If I'm not convicted by when I stand next to you I may give myself a pass Because you're not perfected You don't stand that tall I hate to break it to you, you just don't I may fare pretty good next to some of you But when I stand next to him I say, Oh Lord, it's not my brother or my sister. It's me, Oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. If we can get this egotism and this spirit of pride and this hey look at me when everybody needs to see Jesus so desperately. Can you say man? Hallelujah. If we can get that out of the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic movement to where we don't put people on pedestals when we should be looking at Jesus on the cross. Can you say man? We're going to have a God sent Holy Ghost revival because all of that stuff has produced zero. It doesn't win us soul to jesus christ amen oh come on it doesn't win a soul to christ the person with such spirituality don't win a soul to jesus can you say not a soul to christ that's unproductive something is still dead that needs to be revived there needs to be a sweetening of the spirit there needs to be a quickening of the holy ghost not just so we can shout but so we can shine can you say man hallelujah so that people can see that we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth let your light so shine before men they will see your good works and they will glorify your father which is in heaven can you say man and how we need that light to shine in the darkness Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm not wild enough for people that just want to show out in church. And I'm not sedate enough for people who just want to go through the motions in church. Because both are wrong. Can you say man? I said both are wrong. In a church where there's no move of the Spirit, something is bad wrong because man can't do what only God can do. But in a church where people just show out, amen, and eclipse Jesus and want to be heard and seen more than to listen and let God move in their life amen they they head out of here they don't last long here If you come here to be put on a pedestal to give a hand clap and pat on the back amen and be put up as some high ranking someone amen if you don't have a servant heart you can't show nobody Jesus if you're not if you if your gift is not to build up the body not to lift up yourself amen you know nothing about following Jesus Christ Can you say, man, but if you have a gift and you say, this ain't for me, this is to glorify him. This is to help somebody that's cast down, to reach down and to lift them up. Can you say, man, I had a lady minister call me, known her for years. She went to a church. She stood up and gave a prophecy. And nobody listened. Nobody moved. It didn't make a bit of difference dead she called me up man she was upset she said brother venable god gave me a word i gave it to that church nobody listened to me i said was it god's word yes was it the holy spirit prompted you yes and nobody responded no i said get over it She mad because they didn't listen to her. Upset because the prophet had said something. And nobody listened. Hey, get over it. Amen. Jesus went to cities and preached. Nobody responded to Him. The disciples were mad because they didn't listen to them who were with Him. They had had what this woman wanted, but she didn't put it in words. Lord... Since they didn't listen to us, since nobody responded, call fire down out of heaven. Come on. Some of these loving people can turn just that way real quick without the true spirit of God. Call fire down out of heaven and consume them. Show them, Lord. Jesus turned around and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. The Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but to seek and to save the lost If they don't listen It's going to be between them and my father On the day of judgment But we're not going to waste our time And Here's how he told them to deal with it Get yourself out of the way Shake the dust off of your feet Amen It was a way of saying the gospel came It was rejected And go right on down the road And keep preaching the gospel Can you say man, Get over yourself I have to get over mine quite often Can you say man, Everybody don't listen to me Everybody's not going to listen to you but I keep on going because somewhere somebody is going to hear the gospel, maybe down in the jail house instead of the church house, but somebody is going to hear, somebody 's going to heed, somebody 's going to get saved, somebody 's going to call me on the phone before surgery and pray the sinner 's prayer. Hallelujah, and that 's what makes me excited about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of God's love for fallen man. Hallelujah. The wonderful wounds of Christ give us worth and value. Not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of the price that was paid for us. The price that was paid for us gives us value and gives us worth. The world, oh my Lord... (laughs) What a messed up, crazy place. This world, it's easy to come out from among them in these days if you love God. Amen? It's easy. It's easy. The price paid for you at the cross gives you value and determines your worth. Most of us are not like the egotist whom it is said, I'd like to buy him for what he's worth and sell him for what he thinks he's worth. It's like the Texan, Brother Taylor. Six foot seven. Three hundred pounds. That's a big old guy. He dies and they take his corpse down to the funeral home. And he was a big blabbermouth. Everything bigger in Texas. I'm big. My ranch is big. My cattle bigger than your cattle. My house bigger than your house. Everything. hard. You've been around people that were blue hearts? Amen. Just blow, it, blow, it, blow. It. They said to the funeral director, "Have you got a casket big enough to put him in?" He says, "No. We'll have to order one special." Have to order one special. The next day they were deeply concerned it could get there in time for the funeral, which is scheduled for the following day. They said, did you order that casket? Will it get there on time? They said, you don't have to worry, ma'am. We got him in the back, let all the hot air out of him, buried him in a shoebox. We need to distinguish between the hot air and the breath of God that gives life. And let the Holy Spirit speak to us and speak through us. Because when He does, I tremble. I'm in awe. I don't want to misstep when the Lord is moving. I want to walk softly. I want to reverence Him. Amen. And I don't want nothing phony. I want truth. And reality. Because my God is real. Hallelujah. Not just because I can feel Him in my soul, even when I don't feel Him. He's still real. Praise God. By the way, when I fell and it hurt so bad, I I screamed, it hurt. Oh, Lord, it hurt. And I got sick at my stomach. And I sat down in the grass. And I started calling on Jesus. I'm glad my son didn't just see me holler. He saw me pray. Hallelujah. Amen. And he knows that when his daddy's weak, my strength comes from the Lord. No person. Listen, I'm out in the middle of half a mile from my van, and we have to walk that half a mile to get back. And I didn't want to call my wife or the meat wagon, if I could help it. (laughs) But I had to sit down in the grass and call upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I find myself sitting in the grass quite often, calling upon the Lord. Not because I fall down physically, but because inside I sense my need and my weakness. God is so good and so gracious today. I want to see a real, honest-to-goodness, Holy Ghost revival in my lifetime. Not driven by emotion, but driven by devotion to follow Jesus Christ. Hallelujah hallelujah terry asked me a question he wouldn't mind me telling this while we were discussing he said how long brother venable before revival comes i says as long as it takes for god to be able to bring us to a place that he can move through us that's how long it will take can you say man when he has the whole of me when he has the whole of you and the whole of others he revival will come. It won't come when sinners just arbitrarily come walking through the door and getting saved. It will come when Christians begin to get truly clear and clean before God. And this is the opportunity of holy communion. It's about not receiving it unworthily. But having a time of cleansing before the communion begins. And that's the time that we're in right here and right now. I believe the most appropriate prayer that we could all pray Because if we say we have no sin Everyone in this room is called a liar By the scripture Sin of omission Commission of attitude or activity Something that we need to say Lord help me with this Forgive me for that And we need the truth right now Thank you Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the lady who prophesied needed to repent of pride, of taking personal offense. Amen. So I'm going to say to the prophets and those who have gifts and those who prophesy, there's a time in the service. It's not for you to prophesy. It's not for you to tell your revelation. It's time for you to sit down at the feet of Jesus at the foot of the cross and let Him soften your heart and let Him deal with your pride. And when you go into God's house, be more ready to hear than to speak. Because if you're thinking about what you're going to say, you're not listening to what He has to say. You're just waiting for that opportune moment to show your weak flesh. And you can't impress me Because pride stands out like a big old Boil on your head It takes away from Jesus How many would love Jesus to just touch you today And help you today in your life You need Jesus you need Jesus. Nothing else and no one else will do. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. In this communion service, Psalm 51 is appropriate. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me you want to know how revival is going to begin when that's sincerely prayed and God is able to move in us then not until then but then sinners shall be converted unto thee isn't that incredible when we get right God will use us as a witness and testimony effective enough that others will be brought into the kingdom not until then then and only then so those of you that are praying for the lost to get saved, but not praying Psalm 51 for yourself. It can't happen. It will not happen until we get right with God. Then sinners shall be converted unto thee. Then transgressors will learn thy ways. Can you say, man, but not until then? And that's why there are congregations of people that have no desire for or place of repentance in their heart. And there's enough of them to build that new add-on. There's enough of them to build that new building. There's enough of them to buy new choir robes for that big old choir. Amen. But there's no conviction. And no one is coming to Christ. Can you say, man, there's something dead and stinking in the midst of all of that beautiful projected image? And when Jesus walks into church, He blows all of that away. And He said, I know your works, not just your words, not just what you're putting. I know you inside out. And I'll commend what's good, but I'll convict you for what's not. Be zealous and what? Repent. For as many as I love, I convict, I rebuke, I chasten. Be zealous and repent. Embrace that message Because repentance brings restoration. And when Christ is restored to his rightful place as the Lord and King of your life and mine, he's going to use that life to touch others. You'll be like a city set on a hill can't be hid you won't have to try to push something on somebody they'll be drawn to you praise god and a door will open for you to share christ with them what a wonderful day this is to get close to jesus how many is there room in your life to pray psalm 51 how many would be willing to embrace that prayer before communion this morning will you say it with me create in me a clean heart O god now, here's revival. Here's where it all begins. Renew in me a right spirit, O oh God. And take not. See, we can't. See, you can wound the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit by not responding to His promptings. He won't force it on anyone. Baba, created in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Say it with me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Then say then with me, then, then Mosholabaka Sitianda, then when I'm totally right with God, my heart is pure from all of that flesh and pride, then sinners will be converted unto you, and transgressors will learn thy ways. Can you say, man, a revival will come, people will get saved, but it'll start with you and it'll start with me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And it can start in this room, this very day. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Are you glad you're in church this morning? Hallelujah. Are you glad for what Jesus has done for you? Hallelujah. Will you serve us holy communion as we have repented before God and we're prepared to receive it today? Hallelujah.